This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa podcast. In a stunning rebuke of his former boss, Mike Pence uttered the words so many of his fellow Republicans are afraid to say. Trump is wrong. President Trump is wrong. Trump is wrong. It seems that Pence finally grew some fucking balls by saying directly what he'd been gradually pointing to for more than a year. Donald Trump was wiping his ass with the Constitution in his ploy to overturn the 2020 election. No shit, you don't say. The former vice president rebuking his former boss, uh, the former president, uh, Donald Trump, essentially saying the president is wrong. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. Speaking at a Federalist Society event in Florida, Trump's sycophantic second-in-command addressed the issue more head-on than ever before. He did so after Trump said over the weekend that Pence could have and should have tried to unilaterally overturn the election. But there are those in our party who believe that as the presiding officer over the joint session of Congress, that I possess unilateral authority to reject electoral college votes. And I heard this week that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. The substance of Pence's comments were much different from what he said before. But on Friday, he tied it all together and directly invoked Trump in a way that he hadn't ever before, and in a way that's very likely to stick in Trump's craw and force a more direct clash between the two of them. Trump is wrong. Look, I appreciate that he did it. It is a little bit, you know, water is wet. The earth is round. Um, It's an obvious statement. Barbara and I are both lawyers. You don't have to go to law school to know that the vice president can't overturn an election. Uh, it's it's really uh, d- dangerous what Mr. Trump is trying to allege, and that so many Republicans are falling in line with this big lie. Pence said on the morning of January 6, 2021, that he didn't have the right to accept or reject electoral college votes unilaterally. He also described that idea as un-American last summer. But in neither case did he describe these as being necessarily Trump's ideas. Well, I think what you're seeing is, you know, sort of the Trump operation is in sort of a meltdown. Um, Of course, Mike Pence is right. Donald Trump was wrong, and he basically also called him un-American. And he did it in front of the conservative Federalist Society members who gave him a standing ovation. And at this same convention, Ron DeSantis was also being interviewed and speaking with Kayleigh McEnany, who has turned over, apparently, reportedly, a lot of her documents and everything to the committee. You have Mike Pence staff meeting with the committee, talking to them, turning over documents. Now all the archive documents are being turned over. The walls are closing in. Trump had invoked the idea of Pence unilaterally overturning the election in the run-up to January 6th. But he generally focused merely on the idea that Pence would send the issues back to the states to consider what to do about the bogus claims of voter fraud. Others around Trump have also, in the years since January 6th, 
distanced themselves from the more drastic idea of having Pence try to declare Trump the winner. I wish we had seen a stronger pronouncement from the former vice president, though. He seems to have one foot in. He might just as well jump in off the deep end and go ahead and voluntarily testify and tell the truth. That's something that he hasn't at least publicly acknowledged that he's willing to do up until now. And where we are with both the investigation that's going on on Capitol Hill and perhaps with a criminal investigation in the Justice Department is we seem to be right at the precipice of what the former president actually said, acknowledged and did in the run up to January 6th. So having conversation yeah. precisely from someone like Mike Pence could be very important here. Similarly. Pence said last year that he and Trump would never see eye to eye about what happened on January 6th. Now one could infer that he was saying Trump was indeed wrong, but Pence talked about it more as if it was an honest disagreement. This is how Republicans dance around their differences when it comes to Donald Trump. They talk about Trump's ideas as if they are proposals floating in the ether that some random blogger had raised rather than the former president of the United States effectively trying to set democracy ablaze. But Pence went further still Friday, saying not only that what Trump did was wrong and that his idea was un-American, but that it was corrosive to democracy and that it's something Republicans should abhor. Pence is like a lot of Republicans who know better, like, I mean, a lot of Republicans who know better, but refuse to disavow Trump because it used to be they were afraid of his Twitter. Now there is no Twitter. Now they just are afraid of primary challenges. I mean, at every point, Republicans have had a chance to take the, you know, to say Trumpism, to disavow Trumpism and go for democracy and say democracy must be protected. This person is anti-democratic. And at every point, they have either said nothing or, you know, tacitly kind of encouraged him. And so we get to a point now where so much of the Republican Party is doubled down on this anti-democratic, anti, you know, voter, you know, pro-voter suppression, anti, you know, count the votes kind of thing, that we're in an impossible situation. You can't have one party that doesn't believe in the central tenet of American democracy. This is all just window dressing, though. The big takeaway here, the oh my fucking God moment, is the fact that Pence said that Trump was wrong. can't understate the significance of this moment because it truly could be a flashpoint that creates a schism within the Republican Party that needs to be exploited by the rational side. Keep in mind, over the course of the past year, a lot of the GOP electorate, frankly, has been radicalized by Donald Trump into believing this notion that the 2020 election was stolen from them and that Mike Pence had the ability to unilaterally overturn it. Pence pushing back creates an off-ramp for those people to go from the radical side, hopefully to the rational side. It's doubtful, though, that Pence's broadside will fuel more GOP pot shots. He is uniquely vilified by Trump's MAGA base for his refusal to go along with Trump's attempt to overturn the election. Pence, you're gonna you're gonna carry this thing uh, eventually to your grave, okay? Because it is a mark of shame, and you are a stone cold coward, a stone cold coward. And the GOP took things one step further on Friday, hours before Pence was set to speak in Florida. 
the Republican National Committee approved a resolution formally censoring GOP representatives Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Adam Kinzinger of Illinois for serving on a special congressional committee investigating the events of January 6th. That resolution referred to what happened that day as legitimate political discourse. To formally censure Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and to no longer support them as members of the Republican Party. That's right. Let me back up and say that again. The Republican fucking party on Friday officially declared the January 6th on the Capitol and events that led to it legitimate political discourse. The resolution uh, from the RNC on, on Kinzinger and Cheney is an extraordinary document from start to finish, uh, Nicole. At the very beginning, it starts with a preamble that says, whereas the primary mission of the Republican Party is to, rep is to elect Republicans who support the United States Constitution. So that's their starting point. And then they end by saying it is Kinzinger and Cheney uh, who should be censured because their behavior, which has been destructive to the institution of the U.S. House of Representatives, the Republican Party, and our republic. So their behavior, by helping to take the lead to investigate an attack on the United States Congress, makes them destructive to the institution of the U.S. House of Representatives, and it's an extraordinary uh, document. The Republican National Committee's vote to censor representatives Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Adam Kinzinger of Illinois at its winter meeting in Salt Lake City represents its final surrender to Trump's big lie more than a year after the party leaders initially condemned the Capitol attack as well as Trump's conduct, only to now fucking crawl back to the former president and beg for fucking forgiveness by continually downplaying and denying what happened. This is a moment of, uh, another moment, I should say, of, of revelation of, of the Republican Party as an institution through its elected leaders revealing what it's become. And, and what it has become is an autocratic vehicle to advance an autocratic agenda uh, that is controlled by Donald Trump in this country. And, and there's a couple of remarkable aspects to it. Uh, first off, is it fair to call this Stalin-esque uh, in its rhetoric? Uh, certainly it is. Um, is it gaslighting on an epic scale? Uh, surely it is. This is a huge what the fuck moment in American politics with the GOP completely surrendering its moral duty to stay in the good graces of its authoritarian overlord. RNC accused them of, quote, participating in a Democrat-led persecution of ordinary citizens engaged in legitimate political dis- In approving the censor and opting to destroy two of its own, Republicans are now fully pushing a position that they once only hinted at, that the insurrection and the actions that preceded it were acceptable. What we already know does constitute the, the gravest uh, violation of his oath of office by any president in the history of the country. A former president who provoked a violent attack on this Capitol in an effort to steal the election has resumed his aggressive effort to convince Americans that the election was stolen from him. This is a man who has demonstrated uh, that he is at war with the rule of law. He's demonstrated that he's willing to blow through every guardrail of democracy. Any man who would watch television as police officers were being beaten, uh, as, as his supporters were invading the capital of the United States, is clearly unfit for future office. 
uh, clearly can never be anywhere near the Oval Office. The GOP censor comes at a critical juncture for the January 6th committee as it continues to unearth damning evidence of a vast criminal conspiracy presided over by the former president to overturn the election and incite violence in a desperate attempt to stay in power. By doing this now, the GOP is pivoting to a stance that doesn't even try to deny what happened, but instead leans into the facts by saying that what happened was justified. Limit political discourse, breaking and entering, killing people, threatening to hang people, bringing zip ties to take people hostage, ransacking lawmakers' offices, stealing things and taking a shit and smearing it on the walls? That's legitimate political discourse to the GOP? They have lost their collective minds. Between this and book burning and cameras in people's classrooms and enemies lists and voter suppression and calling to jail their political opponents, let's be very clear. The Republican Party have abandoned democracy and abdicated their responsibility to the American experiment. Lest we forget, on the day of this event, most of these same people made speeches that absolutely denigrated what had happened because it was disgusting lawless behavior and they knew it. And then they changed their tune to try to blame it on outside groups like Antifa and BLM. Then they created a conspiracy theory blaming the FBI and the deep state, but voted against looking into it. And when we tried to have a bipartisan commission, they voted against it. And when we tried to set up a bipartisan committee, they refused to have any of their members sit on it. And now that we are discovering just piles of evidence that people at the highest level of command in the Republican Party and the White House were involved in an active coup, and this horrific attack was part of the plan, they're now officially claiming the entire thing was legitimate political discourse? It also signifies the far right's complete and total ownership of the party. This is something that should terrify all Americans, especially in light of Trump's frightening statements in Texas, calling on his MAGA shock troops to storm major cities where he's under investigation. What's the further journey from the end of the Obama administration until that moment where you start talking about locking up political opponents or from locking up political opponents to an executioner's wall. What's the further journey? And so when we look at all of this in its totality, it's staring at it, staring us in the face. We have an autocratic movement that is headed by a former president of the United States that is completely consumed one of the two political parties that has abandoned any pretext of fidelity to the American experiment that both political parties are supposed to be in the business of perpetuating in the work of making the union stronger, fairer, better for our progeny. So truly an, an appalling moment in American life and the life of the modern Republican Party. The GOP is locking arms with the most extreme elements in our society and opening the door for more violence and bloodshed. What happens next doesn't take a genius to predict. And now for the main event. 
My next guest on Mea Culpa is Chris Goldsmith. An Iraq war veteran, Goldsmith is the founder and CEO of Sparverius, an open source intelligence firm specializing in the detection and disruption of today's greatest threats against democracy, disinformation campaigns, and domestic extremism. In short, Goldsmith hunts Nazis on the web and in real life roots out the next generation of racist killers before they have a chance to strike. Goldsmith famously infiltrated the infamous 3% of militia, reporting that its leaders asked him if he was prepared to kill. In recent months, Goldsmith has become front and center in the battle against neo-Nazi groups like Patriot Front, a shadowy organization led by a fucking psychopathic incel that does much of its recruiting online. He fears that amongst their ranks is the next Timothy McVeigh. If you're not frightened yet, you should be. Trump's comments in Texas were a call to arms to the same racist fucking thugs who stormed the Capitol. This time, though, they'll be better prepared. So let's go now to that conversation. So, Chris, Patriot Front has long tried to paint a picture of itself being aligned with American heroes. But a recent doxing showcased a terrifying picture of a major fascist group perpetuating organized violence and hate crimes across the country. Now, for my listeners who may be unfamiliar with them, can you tell us who are Patriot Front? Where have they, uh, you know, appeared? And what came out of this most recent doxing? Sure. So Patriot Front is a uh, self-described fascist organization. It's run by a kid, uh, 23 years old. Thomas Rousseau lives in Texas. Uh, he's a little rhinestone cowboy with cowboy hat running around cowboy boots uh, in D.C. on Friday. Um they are an organization that was spawned from the Unite the Right neo-Nazi rally. Remember the very fine people on both sides? Well, one side absolutely was neo-Nazis. They had swastikas. They they had you know the sonorat, all of all of the symbolism that um, that ties them to not uh, non-hyperbolic Nazis like nationalist socialists, self-described. Um, what the most recent doxing is, has shown is the extent to which they expect applicants to the organization to already be completely ra radicalized. You know, if if they can't um, list off the uh, the the fourteen words, you know, the the, the phrase that that neo Nazis use to kind of you know talk uh, about what they believe is white genocide in public, right? Uh, dates back to everything goes back to Hitler, right? Um, it's not just the using 1488 in, in their Twitter handles and stuff. It's about being able to say that they read Mein Kampf and how it had an impact on their life. You know, they, they're talking about how they um, are, are reading all sorts of philosophers and historians and Mussolini uh, to learn about fascism. Right. And what makes these kids dangerous, and I, I call them kids because I don't have any respect for them, but some of them actually are underage, apparently. Um, they're taking the best of Gen Z, of, of all of the privileges that they grew up with, having social media and an understanding of, of how to communicate, how to build a movement, how to market things. Right. And they're combining it with Hitler. 
So they're taking Kim Kardashian and Hitler and doing a mashup to create 21st century propaganda to expand their movement. And, and ultimately what they're looking to do is not just go off and be in a corner and, and you know, be neo-Nazis by themselves. They're looking to influence the Republican Party. And as we've seen over the last five years, you know, now we have white nationalists in Congress who the Republican Party, like Paul Gosar, hangs out with neo-Nazis at their conventions. And Kevin McCarthy is a coward. He's probably going to be the, the speaker, you know, starting next year. He apparently is totally OK with Nazis hanging out in the Capitol. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this shit up if you tried. I mean, it's truly amazing that I don't think our forefathers ever considered the fact that somebody who was actually a representative of the United States as Congress would actually be an anti-Semite to the point of being pro-fascism to being a, um, a neo-Nazi. I mean, it's really, I, I'm, I'm kind of like blown away. I mean, who else, who else um, you know, has this affiliation that's right now either in Congress, because what I heard mm -hmm. is that there's a whole slew of these fucking assholes that are actually going to be running in the midterm elections. Yeah, there's um, there are a bunch of organizations that that track these candidates uh, like Right Wing Watch has has done a, a pretty good job. Media Matters for America. Uh, they, you know, they punish themselves watching Fox News all day so that they can catch these crazies on TV and, and recording and show it to the rest of us. Um, but in the most immediate you know, circles, in, in terms of the, the kids who went to the Unite the Right neo-Nazi rally where they murdered Heather Heyer um, and went off and, and built a career off of that, um, you know, Thomas Rousseau is, is, uh, is the leader of Patriot Front. But then we also have Nick Fuentes, who is outside the Capitol on January 6th telling his followers, the Groypers, the America First movement, that the cops are now the enemy. You know, he was encouraging people to go into the Capitol and, and hold it as part of this seditious conspiracy theory, the same stuff that the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys were up to. You know, it's funny because on Vox, um, there's an article that was written. It was written about four or five months ago. But the way they start out this article is that in at least five states and national races across the country, the Republican Party is dealing with an uncomfortable problem. Their party's candidates are either, and this goes right to your point, they're either card-carrying Nazis, a Holocaust denier, a proud white supremacist, supremacist, or all of the above, right? Then they specifically point out, for example, in North Carolina, um, they're stuck with this guy, Russell Walker, who's a white supremacist running for the State House of Representatives. And according to his own personal website, it's not even like the fucking guy hides it, right? Which is littered with the N-word all over the place. By the way, I love these guys who think that they're tough and shit. Why don't you do me a favor, my friend? Why don't you go use that N-word in front of a black man and see what happens without your security or without your Proud Boys or Oath Keepers or any of these other organizations that mm -hmm. want to back this shit and see whether or not you finish that argument Right. Well, well, you finish that that sentence with your teeth in your mouth. And he believes that Jews are not Semitic and that they are satanic as we all descend from Satan. I mean, this Jesus. is a guy who's going to sit in Congress. What the fuck? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, 
talking about people uh, acting tough on the internet and then you know being cowards in, in real life. Part of this this leak from Unicorn Riot, which I encourage people to go check out. Just Google Unicorn Riot Patriot Front. It'll the first result will bring you right there. Uh, we found out that Patriot Front Thomas Rousseau he doesn't do it himself. He has his members do all the the criminal behavior. Uh, he had one of his members call the cops on themselves when they marched through D.C. That way they get a police escort and they don't have to face off with anti-fascist organizers on the ground, which, you know, I want to be clear. I do not advocate violence in in any circumstance. Frankly, I think it's good that the cops are are, uh, defending the Nazis because I don't want to see anybody get hurt. You know, uh, the way that we impose uh, costs on Nazism is social costs, economic costs. We make sure that these people can't get a fucking job make sure that they can't hold a bank account. And we make sure that if they live in any neighborhood uh, around the country, we let every one of their neighbors know, you know, and the reason why is because, you know, if, if, uh, if I had a kid, you know, and, and my wife is Jewish and I had a Nazi living down the street, I'd want to be able to tell my kid, if you see that pickup truck, get behind a tree because that fucking Nazi might decide, you know, today's the day I'm going to start murdering people. And that's the whole purpose of the alt-right, right? Uh, Richard Spencer created this term to rebrand neo-Nazis. That's all that they are. Neo-Nazis are hoping to inspire domestic attacks, domestic terrorism against minority populations, Jews, people of color, the LGBT community. And what this unicorn riot um Docs has has shown 400 plus gigs. I mean, we're talking almost half a terabyte of of documentation. We have videos and photos of uh, of members of Patriot Front committing hate crimes. We have recorded audio of the leader of Patriot Front, Thomas Rousseau, directing exactly how these hate crimes and the destruction of murals to Black lives and LGBT communities and others how exactly they're going to do it, how they're going to get away. What we're talking about is uh, is interstate conspiracies to violate uh, federal, local, and state hate crime laws. So right now, thanks to Unicorn Riot, there is all the in- information out there that the FBI, that the DOJ needs to wrap up the entire leadership of Patriot Front. And uh, I, I have got to say that if it, if that doesn't happen very soon, uh, we all got to start making a lot of noise about it because we can't have people committing hate crimes, documenting it themselves, and then, you know, not face prosecution. Well, as I like to call them, they're a bunch of texting tough guys that are willing to turn around to say whatever they want. And their whole goal is not really aimed at you or me or, you know, people who don't, don't you know, we, we don't ascribe to this racist, you know, anti-Semitic views. This is more aimed at finding people that do and bringing them on board. It is, because of the internet, the freest form of advertising that you can possibly create. They go out there, they spew this shit. I take offense to it. You take it. Normal people do. But then there's this this, this whole meta world of fucking nut jobs, these weirdos that... They're like, oh yeah, yeah, man, I'm I'm into that. I believe in that shit. Then they go, they they Google in tenth of a second, they end up finding 
an office address or somebody else that believes the same thing. They reach out to them. Next thing you know, you have a new member. And that's all that they're looking for. They're looking for numbers because, look, despite the fact that they're vocal about their um, anti-Semitic, their anti-black, anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim rhetoric, they're still too few in number to be the fucking force that they want to be, you you know? Mm -hmm. And so they're on a recruiting mission. Now, they also don't have the funds within which to go out. It's not like they're going to put up a billboard. Hey, are you a Klansman? Do you believe that, you know, that Jews are responsible for X, Y, and Z, that, you know, that blacks are X, Y, and Z, and so on? The answer is they don't have that. This is the freest form of advertising, and I believe, I truly believe that this is where social media and this is where, like, the Facebooks of the world have no choice but to step in because Lord knows government ain't doing it. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, my friend, there's a social media platform that's one of the largest in the world right now. It's called Gab. It's created by a guy named Andrew Torba. He, he built it in 2016 explicitly for neo-Nazis. It is, an, it is a, a, a platform that was built to be a safe space for neo-Nazis. So when they get kicked off of Twitter, when they get kicked off of Facebook, that's where they go. And, and this platform has guys like Paul Gosar, elected representatives with verified uh, accounts on it. And you just create an account, go over and look at Andrew Torba's uh, website, to, uh, his his personal page on Gab, gab.com slash A, that's A for Andrew Torba. And you will see this anti-Semitic shit is, is not an accident. It's not free speech. He created this platform specifically to to create hatred against uh, against Jews and against people of other races. I mean, the guy is uh, is is a piece of shit. And, you know, every time that I hear Congress talk about, oh, we're going to have another Facebook hearing, we're going to have another Twitter hearing. They're like six years behind the curve, like Twitter and Facebook. They do have teams dedicated to, to doing this work, and they certainly don't do the job that I would uh, as well as I'd hope them to. But Gab exists solely to build a fascist movement in this country, an anti-Semitic, a racist movement in this country. And what this guy is also doing, and, and the reason why Congress needs to pay attention to this, is he's basically trying to create the digital services uh, for everything that they keep, keep getting kicked off of. So he's got his own servers. You know, he got kicked off of PayPal, so he created his own payment system. They're switching everything over to cryptocurrency so that, uh, so that banks can't get involved in, um, you know, banning them from using their services. And as long as uh, Gab and Andrew Tur- Torba, the cancer that they are in society, keeps metastasizing, we're, we're all at greater risk of, of harm. You know, the, what they're trying to inspire, what this movement is trying to infar- inspire is not, you know, five years from now, they have an army and they're going to take over town by town, right? What they want to do is they want to inspire losers around the country to go off with a shotgun and show up at a Walmart and shoot people, right? They just put the rhetoric out there, in, instill hate, uh, it, you know, throw conspiracy theories at people and, until they lose it. And all you got to find is is just one total loser who's, you know, uh, who's susceptible to, to influence like that. He goes off and kills people and, and their movement wins. You know, it's, it's unbelievable because when I was talking about in, actually in, in response to your statement about how many um, 
individuals who are members of Congress or those that are running, as I stated, um, are part of this movement. In Illinois, according to that same Vox article, the Republican Party shrugged off a guy by the name of Arthur Jones, and he was a candidate for the state's third congressional district who boasted about his membership in the American Nazi Party. But what makes it interesting is that fucking Jones won the GOP primary, right? And now the party officials are all scrambling, you know, um, they're calling and they're, they're, you know, they're freaked out about this guy, you know, calling uh, him morally reprehensible, a complete nutcase. And, you know, they're trying to create a way to keep him out of it. But what's amazing is how they do it with this impunity right in your face. Jones's campaign website alone features a whole section which is called Holocaust, in which he argues on this website that the idea that six million Jews were killed by a nationalist socialist government of Germany in World War II is the biggest, blackest lie in history. Now, I say this not to sit there and to promote this fucking scumbag, but more, the article really goes into depth about how racial animus is what helped fuel the rise of Donald Trump. Right. Mm -hmm. Since the end of civil rights movement under Republican strategist Lee Atwater and so on, it talks literally about how Donald Trump, how his rhetoric, this fucking toxic rhetoric that comes out of this orange crusted, dusted, bloviated, ignorant, arrogant fuck nut. There's no other way to describe him. He doesn't realize or maybe actually he does realize the full extent of what he's saying without any care or concern that he has three grandchildren that are modern Orthodox Jews, that his daughter, his supposed love of his life, right, um, actually converted, but a full, real conversion, not the fake shit where you just want to marry someone and you go to mm -hmm. a reform, you know, rabbi who omnis nabiscus is you. Next thing you know, you pay $2,500 as a donation and they give you, a, I'm a Jewish, you know, a Jewish ID card. It's not how it worked. It's not what she did. She studied. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest with you. And she oh, stays yeah. kosher the whole bit. Yet her own father, the grandfather, right, to her children, behaves in a way that promotes this exact type of rhetoric that ends up fueling more and more hatred, more and more actions. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, the reason why this is tolerable within the Trump family and the reason why Ivanka still, you know, has a relationship with her father is because they live in gated communities, you know, and, and everything that their perception of reality is what they see. They don't have people, you know, neo-Nazis standing outside protesting their house. Instead, the neo-Nazis are going to the anti-defamation. You know, they're, they're going after easier targets. Right. But one day. I mean, uh, Ivanka's kids are, are going to go to school and they're going to be a degree or two away from white nationalists who, you know, would like to see those kids dead. You know, and, it, and there is uh, there is no way there is no hope in in my mind to educate these people in helping them understand what the rest of society is experiencing, because, you know, they're. They're living in their gated communities, gilded fucking towers, uh, you know, the private uh, private beach club, the, the golf clubs and all that shit. To them, the Nazis aren't real. To them, the Nazis are just, ah, it's, it's something on Twitter, ah, it's something online. It's, uh, it's not, you know, 
people showing up in front of their house. But that's that's what these groups are like the Patriot Front, uh, this this new White Lives Matter uh, organization, uh, the Nationalist Socialist Club, which is all throughout the Northeast. Everybody thinks, oh, the Northeast is a bunch of liberals. Well, yeah, okay, but there's also Nationalist Socialist Club, the fucking Nazi club all over New Hampshire and Connecticut, uh, New York, Massachusetts. And, you know, these these people are operating on alternative social platforms that were created just for them, like Telegram and Gab, so that they can organize, they can recruit, they can radicalize. And, you know, their goal is is not to take over the country tomorrow. It's to push the Republican Party into, you know, uh, more and more extreme positions. And if we just look at what happened to the Republican Party under Trump, we we realize, you know, how fragile our institutions are and how okay millions of Americans are with the idea of political violence. I mean, you know, recent polling over over this year, uh, since January 6th, how many Republicans think that, oh, that was, you know, either that didn't happen or you know, I encourage that kind of activity, right? I mean, this these are the times we're living in. I mean, what's really sad, more to the point of pathetic, as we're approached, um, you know, Holocaust Remembrance Day, which is on January 27th of every year. I saw on CNN, they had a recent segment where um, they were talking about the rise of anti-Semitism. And they specifically, you know, draw your attention to an area, this community. And I couldn't believe it when I saw it because this area is one of those areas that is actually extremely progressive. We're talking about San Francisco. I don't know if you saw this, but in this San Francisco neighborhood, somebody started handing out flyers blaming Jews for the COVID agenda. And, you know, they dropped them all over the place. They put some rice in the bags to keep them down. They zipped it up the whole nine yards. All of a sudden, so Jews are responsible for COVID. Jews are responsible as whatever the heck that stupid bitch's name is, uh, the one with the uh, Jewish space lasers that were fucking up the world in... Uh, uh, Marjorie three names. Marjorie, Ta- Marjorie. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Green, right? <laughs> what a fucking asshole. All of a yep. sudden, yeah, we put up Unbeknownst to anybody in the entire world, we just decided to shoot up a satellite. So I would suspect it's probably not American Jews that she's referring to. It's probably Israel. We put up some sort of a space laser, right? Um, Like right out of Austin Powers, you dumb shit. And all of a sudden, it's like we are able to change the weather and we're able to now, you know, destroy the, you know, the country uh, with tornadoes and hurricanes and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the fact that this woman is actually a member of Congress, mm-hmm. this really makes us want to, I don't know, it, open up our eyes and say, what are we doing? Are we really that interested in fucking up our own country, in destroying our country's democracy in terms of, you know, civil rights and, you know, moving forward as America, the greatest democracy in the world? Is this really what we've relegated ourselves to being a bunch of 
fucking racist animals running around blaming everybody else. If you're a loser, it's not the Jews' fault. It's not the blacks' fault. You know, they start talking. And of course, have you ever gotten to an argument with somebody who is a fucking racist that they will start to reach for anything that they can grab for in order to Mm -hmm. justify their position, right? Blacks are inferior, and that's why that's why they ref, you know they want all of these statues to come down. No, they, it's not why they want the statues to come down. The statues belong down simply not because we're trying to create a woke society. We're trying to change history. History is history. You cannot change history, even if you're Donald Trump trying to rewrite it. That's not mm-hmm. how it works. They're doing it because it's fucking insulting. It's insulting to have to go, if you're a black student, to Robert E. Lee High School, right? I wouldn't want to go to the the Adolf Hitler School of the Arts, right? I just don't want to do it. The Goebbels School of, you know, of of medicine. I'm not into that. And I would find it insulting. And I could, I understand their position. I don't want it stuck into my face. Yeah. You know, and, and. This uh, this whole obsession with critical race theory that's been going on on the right and, you know, uh, and left stream, uh, you know, mainstream and, and left media have fallen into the trap of trying to, to defend critical race theory, which is a college level course and a, a graduate level course that your fucking elementary school kids and your high school kids are, are not studying like they're just they're just not. Um the problem is not the race part. It's the, the critical part. That's that's the word mm-hmm. that's really scary. Right. Critical thought, critical analysis is the most uh, potent antidote or vaccine, if you will, against uh, against modern day, you know, white supremacist conservatism. Like if you are able to sit down and look at a piece of evidence that's or a, an article or whatever's been pre- pre- presented to you and you say, all right, you know, who wrote this? Why did they write this? Uh, what context did it come in? You know, this this is critical th- thinking. This is what they teach you in college. They don't make you a leftist. They don't make you a liberal in college. They teach you how to how to fucking think. And that's why Tucker Carlson is is going out saying, you know, oh, you know, going to college is bad. It's all liberals. Uh, if you you know, critical race theory is brainwashing people. It's like, no, you are brainwashing people and you're trying to keep them from becoming too smart to fucking listen to your racist bullshit anymore. (laughs) It's so true. But meanwhile, one of the things that scared me when I was looking at this bullshit about the Jews being responsible and these sandwich bags that had the flyers in them, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just in San Francisco. This was a coordinated effort, which means that they're more advanced than just a group of, you know, racist neo-Nazis in a San Francisco suburb community, right? That's not accurate. What we found out is that the identical uh, flyers were also found in California, in Texas, in Colorado, in Maryland, in Wisconsin, and in Florida, This is scary because this now shows that they're actually coordinated. They're organized. They didn't just do it in one small area. This is multi-state. And it's, and honestly, as you stated, their goal is to get somebody to pick up an AR-15 and to go like what happened in Texas 
with this idiot that went into a into a synagogue. This is really no joke. Mm -hmm. So the I'm not going to say the name of the organization, um, but I'll tell you the individual who's leading this. Uh, his name is John Minadeo uh, of California, and he has been riding around with a bunch of neo-Nazis since last year in what they refer to as the hate bus. And they've been throwing out anti-Semitic um, flyers in Ziploc baggies. I mean, this is their MO and they do it in Jewish neighborhoods, which is a hate crime. That that right there, it's a hate crime, violates federal, state, local hate crime laws in all, you know, a ton of different jurisdictions. Once you start crossing state lines to organize this type of thing, he's he's, you know, he's got a a show that he advertises on alternative social media platforms. He's got people who pay to to watch him do this racist bullshit, right? Where the hell are the feds? Why are the feds? Well, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, I was going to ask you the same question, not to interrupt you, but mm -hmm. where are the feds for this? Uh, what you know, just like everything else, if if we want the government to do something, we got to be loud about it. You know, I'm not saying we need to protest and shit, but you know. Call Schumer's office and be like, hey, you know, Senate Majority Leader, what's what's up? Like, we've been seeing these racist flyers come up or Nancy Pelosi, California, House Speaker. You know, call her up and see, like, hey, what is the House doing to, to push the DOJ, push the FBI and make sure that not only that they're doing their jobs, but they have the resources to do it. You know, January 6th put an incredible amount of stress on the DOJ, on the FBI, because there are thousands of fucking criminals who committed, you know, uh, insurrection, uh, seditious conspiracy. And that's that's serious. You know, that's taking individual agents entire days. They're probably working an unbelievable amount of overtime. And it's probably going to take years to to get everybody who uh, did anything wrong on January 6th. But we also need to go after the fucking Nazis who are spreading propaganda like Patriot Front. And again, going back to this unicorn riot um, data leak, there have been anti-fascist activists all over fucking Twitter. If you just type in Patriot Front leak on, on Twitter, on Google, you'll find all of this stuff. It's got names, dates, locations, uh, audio and video recordings of hate crimes as they happen, recorded by the perpetrators and then collected by their uh, Patriot Front's leader, Thomas Rousseau. The FBI and the DOJ don't even fucking need to do any investigation. All of the anti-fascist uh, researchers have been writing it out like it's like it's a charging statement, laying, you know, embedding the evidence in the articles. More people need to understand that uh, that anti-fascism, anti-antifa is not like the big scary boogeyman. These are regular fucking people who care about our communities and who want to make sure that we're safe. And they are doing, frankly, the, the work that that federal law enforcement ought to be doing to impose costs on Nazis. You know, it shouldn't just be losing your job if you commit a hate crime. It should be doing jail time. You know, if, if you want to play, uh, if you want to live a life of, of a criminal, you should get treated like a criminal. If you want to you know, terrorize a community because you, you're, you know, think a, a, a tough white kid, that's fine. We'll see how tough you are when you when you go to prison and you spend a few years there for, uh, you know, wanting to be part of the Aryan Brotherhood or something. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then, because unlike other white supremacist groups, mm -hmm. 
Patriot Front exists largely online and recruits these impressionable young, you know, Gen Zers. What, what we were talking about before regarding social media, there was a recent TikTok video that was released by the group and it saw more than a million views, right? I mean, more than a million views. How dangerous is this kind of online recruiting? What are the police not seeing that you and I are seeing and what will happen if they aren't shut down? If they aren't shut down, people are going to get killed who don't need to get, get killed. I mean, that's that's the the reason why I do this work is not because I am ideologically opposed to these people. Like, of course I am. But the reason why I'm committed to doing this is because they are trying to kill Americans. They are trying to get inspire other Americans to kill each other. Um, you know, this is... Uh, it's unfortunate that we're in the 21st century and that uh, that we have kids growing up who are apparently so disconnected from World War II veterans, Holocaust survivors, that they you know start uh, idolizing Nazis because they think it looks cool because they want to be an edge lord online, you know, want to push the joke further than any of their friends, and these far right organizations know the power of the meme, the power of the joke. You know, joking gives you plausible deniability. That's why the the uh, Richard Spencer renamed neo-Nazis the alt-right, because he's like, oh, well, you know, we're just the alternative right. Well, no, you're fucking neo-Nazis. You're nationalist socialists. There's nothing right about that. So, you know, what these, what these guys, what Patriot Front is ultimately showing right now is their ass. Every one of them got doxxed. The entire organization right now, there's over 400 gigs of uh, of documentation of them committing hate crimes, crossing state lines, to commit hate crimes. All of this is out in the open. And, you know, if if the feds don't do anything, it's just going to encourage more of this kind of activity. You know, they some of the documentation that that's been going on, like um uh, Washington State Nazi Watch or WANazi-watch.com. There's an article about this guy Colton Brown, who um, who's one of these fascist members of Patriot Front, who has committed multiple hate crimes going across statements, and he's laughing about it, like ha ha ha. I got picked up by the FBI, and they questioned me, and because I was wearing a mask, you know, they they didn't have anything. Well, that statement right there, like. <laughs> saying that you got picked up by the FBI and there's no case because there was no mask or no no case, no face, right? Uh, that That's evidence right there. That's evidence not just of doing a hate crime, but of lying to the feds. That in itself is a reason to lock people up. I mean... You know what's... You know, I'll, tell you, I'll ask you this, Chris. What really sort of scares me, perplexes me, is like my father is a Holocaust survivor. We talked about this the last time that you were on mm-hmm. the show. And he's probably, a, there's probably a very small number left of survivors. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my father being was part of the Uberkinder, which of course is why, you know, he, obviously he's still, he's still alive and thank God, you know, healthy and doing well. But what happens when the last Holocaust survivor actually passes away? Groups like this will try to, you know, destroy the legacy that was left there, which is interesting because what the Shoah Foundation did is they created this um, virtual 
um, hologram of a Holocaust survivor that answers like 80,000 questions. It's really, truly amazing to see it. He looks at you, he's sitting in a chair. I forget what his name is, but it's the Shoah Foundation. You could actually go to him on your computer and look it up. It's truly an amazing thing. I was there at USC, where, which is where it's housed. And, you know, it took them like five, six years to program it with all the responses in his voice. You ask him where he's from, what his parents did, his children, when did it all happen? It's like talking me to you, but you're dealing mm. with a hologram. It's amazing. And that, of course, will live on forever and ever. But my, my fear is that if, in fact, when the last um, remaining Holocaust survivor goes, that um, these groups will try to destroy the legacy. You know, at least still you have people that are out there and talking about it and keeping it alive despite, you know, also show what they tried to get everybody mm -hmm. on video and so on, which, you know, it's, it's, a, it's really a truly amazing, uh, amazing organization. But I do want to give you some, some props for your, you know, um, participation, your um, intent on putting an end to this because I understand that you had a team of veterans that infiltrated the group and documented them as they marched last week. If you would, describe that whole encounter for my listeners. What did they uncover? How did you figure this out? How did you put it together? Especially knowing that if they get caught, it's real problematic. Sure. So, um, so there are two separate things that happened. The, the infiltration happened uh a while back 2020 um so I, i'm writing a book about this so all the details are going to come out you know when we find a publisher and everything but uh i'll tell you the, the abbreviated version a buddy of mine who i served with randomly called me up and said hey goldie i got a uh thing going on i joined a neo-nazi organization and i want you to help me take them down we had never had a discussion about this like there was no lead into this. It, he just hit me like cold with that. So we ended up infiltrating the Patriot front. Um, and I sat around in, in their rocket chat, which is like a, a open source version of Slack that they use for communicating, organizing, documenting their hate crimes. And I just copied everything that was on there for four months. And I gave it all to BuzzFeed. The BuzzFeed article, uh, which is pinned at the top of my, my Twitter profile, um, explain, you know, what Patriot Front is, that they're a self-described fascist organization, that they're explicitly racist, that they idolize Hitler. Uh, and 200 of Thomas Rousseau's neighbors got a copy of that. Did they not know, did they not know off the, right off the rip that he was a neo-Nazi? Did they not know who he was or what they, well, what he stood for? I, I'm talking about 200 households. I don't think every one of them knew who he was, but now they do. Now, unfortunately, he just moved. So we've got to do another community notification campaign. Um, you know, you can be part of the solution to go throw up flyers, go send some mailers, whatever. Everybody who lives next, next to a Nazi deserves the safety of the knowledge of, of who they are and where they live. So. Um, so that treat them the same way that you would treat treat them the same way you would treat a sex offender. These guys are in cells anyway, like they're probably into ch children and shit. They've. You know, there's one of the viral videos that's been going around is how they pat each other down, which doesn't look like, you know, I used to pat people down in, in Iraq, like looking for bombs and, and sh wires and shit. The way that they pat people down is different. Uh, it's, again, something you should it's worth Googling. So the second thing is what we did last Friday. Last Friday, 
um, you know, thanks to some anti-fascists who I am not personally affiliated with, who have been very brave in infiltrating the organization, um, started this data leak and started letting people know uh, what Rousseau and Patriot Front were up to. And thanks to a recorded phone call that was published online, we knew that Rousseau had plans to get Patriot Front on the ground for this anti-abortion march uh, in DC on Friday. So we had a team of veterans on the ground. Uh, this was our proof of concept and, and it went extraordinarily well. And we had, you know, our guys right on top of them, recording everything, documenting everything that we needed to. We, uh, we got how they got into the city. We got how, how they got out of the city. I personally met them at Shady Grove, uh, the, the last stop on the red line out of, uh, out of DC. Um, and, you know, I had the pleasure of driving behind one of their cars for like an hour before I let them go. And let me tell you, man, these guys, uh, they play, you know, they play like they're tough in, in their big numbers with their shields and shit. But when you're following the guy's personal vehicle and his license plate is exposed, so you could, you know exactly who he is, that, that bravery melts away. Yeah. Like I said, you know, texting tough guys, telephone tough guys, unbelievable. Well, Chris, let me ask you this then. How are these groups connected with larger groups like the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys? You know, were they present at January 6th? Do we know if they were even there? And if so, was there an organized effort on the part of the larger Stop the Steal movement to organize these, you know, disparate neo-Nazi groups into a kind of MAGA ground army for Donald? Yeah, so we we know that there were a ton of neo-Nazis who were present on the ground uh, on January 6th who were committing violence against cops, who were, um, you know, targeting uh Cops who were who were black, you know, and and slinging, um, you know, all sorts of slurs at them. Right. Most well known uh, is led by Nick Fuentes. He just got subpoenaed either last week or the week before. Um, he leads what's called the Groypers or the America First movement. It's a bunch of incels, involuntary cell with uh, Gen Z kids who um, got picked on in high school, I guess, and now want to take it out on the world by you know, being as sexist, as anti-Semitic, as racist as they can. Um, and, you know, Fuentes is another 23-year-old who was at the Unite the Right neo-Nazi rally. And he has never um, he has never faced repercussions for any of the hate that he's spewed or any of the violence that he may have inspired. But now that he's been subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, uh, I I would not be surprised to find the Justice Department is... is um, following him and his and his followers and his network pretty closely <laughs> well speaking of somebody who follows things pretty closely because you monitor you monitor the absolute worst of the far-right media machine that is out there what was the, do you know what was the chatter in these forums in the days leading up to the january 6th insurrection and how organized was the spread of media to whip these various groups up into a frenzy because Here's what we know. 
We know that on January 5th, there was a meeting of, we'll call them the aristocracy of the Trump MAGA army, mm -hmm. right? The Rudy Colludi Giuliani's <laughs> along with, you know, a group of other fucking assholes who mm -hmm. got together at the Willard Hotel in order to plan out, you know, the um, Steve Bannons and so on. Mm -hmm. But what we don't know is these other, these other smaller groups like... You know, like the Oath Keepers, like the Proud Boys, there was a lot of chatter back and forth. But what about the folks that you've been monitoring? Any any chatter going on there worth note? Yeah. So between the uh, the 2020 election and January 6th, I was basically following the Stop the Steel groups, which were created primarily on Facebook. They originated from the organization uh, Women for America First. Uh, which one of the key organizers is Roger Stone's ex-wife. Uh, Stop the Steal is not a new thing. It wasn't invented in 2020. Roger Stone has been using it for cycle after cycle after cycle to try and undermine uh, democratic wins and to undermine democracy. So I was following these people as Facebook eventually started shutting down the shop, uh, Stop the Steal uh, Facebook pages. They would create duplicate accounts. They would create like Betty Crocker's, you know, stolen pancakes would be the name of a group, right? Follow them everywhere that they went. Eventually they started going to MeWe. They started going to Gab. They started going to Telegram. Um, and, you know, uh, websites like My Militia, which is an organization, uh, which, which is a website that's strictly for organizing unlawful militias, which is fucking crazy. So I'd follow them in and I would do the, you know, the screening, the recruiting, you know, do I think Donald Trump is the rightful president? You know, do I think the stolen election, blah, blah, blah. It would also say things like, you know, uh, do you think that Antifa and BLM and Muslims ought to be, you know, killed in their homes as a lesson to all? Like that was a recruitment question for these unlawful militias. Um, these people posted their intentions online. You know, there's plenty of documentation, there's plenty of evidence. Uh, reporters who cover disinformation and extremism between the election and January 6th were freaking out the same way that researchers like I were, they were seeing the same thing. And, you know, what I think is unfortunate is people are so used to hearing hyperbole in, um, in politics and in news that our our warnings just went without being heard um you know and i i'm i'm thankful that january 6th uh seems to have taught everybody to to pay attention to intel analysts like myself um but now you know we have to do everything that we can to review the evidence to make sure that facebook you know twitter uh Telegram, Gab, Getter, all the rest are uh, are providing the January 6th committee with all of the evidence that they need to map out exactly what happened. You know, it, it's there was too much for any one organization or re researcher to, to map the entire thing. It, it will take us years. There will be, you know, uh, labs in, in colleges around the country, computer science labs, analyzing this data for years because there's so much out there and there were so many people who were complicit, who were supporting, who, if they couldn't go themselves, sent money to support Stop the Steel lie and what became the insurrection. So, you know, I, I know that I'm never going to get tired of fighting for justice. And, you know, I, I just hope that everybody sticks with us. Tell me something, though. 
It's not like you're unrecognizable. You know, when you're telling me about, you know, how you're infiltrating and so on, I suspect it can't possibly be you anymore. You're like Sasha Baron Cohen of the, you know, of the, <laughs> of the neo-Nazi, you know, destruction, you know, group. I find it, you know, because you have this long beard, you know, you know, bald, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, a very distinct, you know, look. I would suspect that you're not infiltrating yourself because you'd be putting yourself in harm's way. It's almost like how now people see Sasha Baron Cohen walking down the street, right? Whether he's trying to do another, you know, um, you know, another shtick or what have you, but they already know that it's him, right? That it's Borat. Mm -hmm. How do you get past it? So, and be, and more importantly, how do you get past it being safe? Sure. So, so first of all, with the last name Goldsmith. I've, I've been targeted by anti-Semitism my whole life, right? But I, uh, after the experiences that I have had in my life, you know, at war in the civilian world as a veteran, whatever, I've, I've grown some pretty tough skin. And at this point, I fucking embrace it. You want to be an anti-Semite? Come for me. That's fine. You know, because if they're coming for me, they're not, they're not attacking somebody else. So, um, you know, as far as the infiltrations go, most of these of these militias are filled with idiots who don't watch or read anything. So until the Epoch Times or Breitbart are are writing about me, I mean, the Daily Caller already write about me, Revolver already wrote about me, uh, including my face and, and videos from my wedding, which is obviously an anti-Semitic thing because they're targeting my wife. Um, you know, I, they're going to go after me anyway. So I'm already in the game. I may as well play hardball. Uh, when it came to Friday, I wasn't wearing a mask. You know, I was I, I was driving in a car uh, behind these guys with with clear windows, no tints. I want them to know that I'm coming for them, and I want them to know that I'm not alone. You know, if they see me, they ought to know that my team is there with me. And when it comes to you know infiltrating Patriot Front, it's tough. You know, they they're a very thorough organization. You got to be like. You got to be a pretty fucking thoroughbred, uh, like incel uh, neo-Nazi to to get past their little questionnaires and, and their interrogations. I'm not going to be able to to join that organization uh, personally, but I have friends who've done it multiple times, and they'll just keep doing it until you know we make sure that everybody's getting arrested. Uh, so you know, let me ask you this. So let me ask you this then, because you talk about um, getting your name out, your face out, et cetera, et cetera. In what way do far-right media figures like Dan Bongino figure into the largest propagandizing of the movement? Because I understand he's involved in the targeting of an anti-fascist watchdog at the moment who's getting death threats. If you would, because I wasn't really aware of this before I decided to investigate and, you know, in advance of this um, interview. Discuss this with me and how were they able to monetize this hate? All right. So there's there's this woman named Nandini Jami, and she has become a target of uh, of purveyors of disinformation like Tim Pool and Dan Bongino and Andy No, because what she does is she lets uh, people who sell ads online, any any company it could be GE, it could be Coca Cola, it could be um, your local mom and pop shop, anybody who's got an online ad, and, and lets them know if they're being displayed on websites that uh, send out disinformation that post hateful content or racist content. 
And what they'll do is they'll pull the pull their ads from the website. And at first, you know, these these far right fucking assholes just kind of laugh at it and they're like, ah, well, you know, what's one advertiser going to be? Well, Nandini's very good at her job and she's very persistent. And eventually it starts affecting the bottom line to the point that these guys can't can't uh, afford to you know, live their lavish lifestyle, of, um, you know, peddling hate and, and disinformation. So, you know, I, I give her uh, all the props in the world. Like they get tons of abuse from these types of people. And, you know, these, these guys, Andy, no, uh, Dan Bongino, Tim pool, they know that they're followers of fucking maniacs. And that any time that they tweet at them, uh, that they write an article about them, that they mention them in their podcast, they know that 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 person will be targeted online with thousands of comments. But those of us who are in this field, you know, we know what to expect and we're not going to back down from, from these punks. You know, we're, we're here for the long haul. Uh, and you know, what it comes down to is, is we're protecting the fucking Republic. You know what I thought was really funny, Chris, I saw on your Twitter site, um, you wrote the following, that there are few things better than seeing white supremacist groups tearing each other apart. This, to me, is hysterical. Mm -hmm. Right now, Rick Fuentes, leader of the incel Groypers, who just got subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, is making fun of Tommy Russo and Patriot Fund. Um, I think that's absolutely hysterical. What caused the beef between these two? Is it kind of like, you know, ISIS and Al-Qaeda <laughs> fighting for supremacy as the white supremacists go? That's that's it. That's an apt metaphor. That's actually <laughs> that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what happened is, is everybody's making fun of Tommy Rousseau because he collected 400 plus gigs of uh of evidence of hate crimes of his organization. And now his, his entire organization is getting doxxed. And all of his guys who work at, you know, shitty jobs are getting fired from those shitty jobs. Um, and, you know, Nick Fuentes is is uh, is a troll first. Like, that's that's his personality. That's, that's you know, what made him famous for the far right. Uh, and he's making fun of Patriot Front and uh, in the same way that I am. I mean, because these are kids who want to, you know, play tough, act tough, and they're posting, you know, videos of their like boxing class. And you just see these goofballs who've never thrown a punch in their life for the video and, and failing hard. So now you've got like these ultra nationalists and, and these uh, much more wealthy guys like Nick Fuentes going at it. And uh, they're not the only ones. You know, there's other far right neo-Nazi organizations who are going after the two of them. Right. You're not a true you're not a true white supremacist. You're not a true Hitler exactly. follower. Shame on you. You know, we're going to come after you and we're going to embarrass you for not being more white supremacist, more neo-Nazi. I mean, exactly. how fucked up is that? Is that conceptually? It, it is fucked up, but I'm going to do everything I can to encourage it. It's great. And it's a good day. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good you know, day. I, so, you know, Chris, as we as we round up the hour, I told you the hour goes by quickly. Mm -hmm. I have just one last question for you. As the investigation into the January 6th continues and the nodes of who was involved become connected, based on your reporting and all of your sources, what lawmakers should we expect to find themselves under the Klieg lights with unwelcome evidence? Any that you know of? Um, I think... Bobert is probably fucked. I think that um, 
Paul Gosar is is likely screwed. Uh, uh, Madison Cawthorn, who is who is on stage, uh, you know, helping uh, rile up the crowd before they went and, and tried to sack the Capitol. Um, uh, Mo Brooks, for sure, is is probably sure, getting that's wrapped up. Sure. And you know what I what I think uh, people need to go back to the Constitution. Our constitution says that insurrectionists cannot hold office, like pure and simple. So uh, these people ought not to be allowed to run for re-election. They ought to be replaced. And, you know, any candidate who is out there who participated in the insurrection, who has materially supported the insurrection, they ought to be, you know, taken off the ballot as well. And I have a little bit of a different I have a little bit of a different sort of view. If we're going to leave it up to members of Congress, this is never going to go anywhere. I know they try. Some of them do. You know, even, for example, just look at like what's happened with me when Hakeem Jeffries and Ted Lieu sent to the OIG. Do you know we just got back a response, um, which was a non-acknowledgement acknowledgement that 18 months ago they received the letter and that they've done nothing with it. Michael Horowitz, the OIG for the Justice Department. And it didn't even respond to Hakeem Jeffries and Ted Lieu's letter. I use that as the example to try to implore my listeners, try to implore anybody that I can. Don't rely upon members of Congress to do shit. We have to do this ourselves. And how do we do it? Go to the fucking ballot box. Go to for the midterm elections. Go to your local. Make sure that you don't just ignore the smaller, you know, seat city council. I don't care if it's the head of the electoral, um, you know, uh, ballot mm-hmm. uh, in your in your state. Vote for everyone. If and vote for vote for people who don't stand on the same side as these individuals. Because if we don't, Chris, if we don't start voting these fuckers out. They're just going to multiply one by one by one. I remember going before Louis Gohmert. I remember the fucking questions that this douchebag asked me. Serious. Mm -hmm. They were fucking obnoxious. You know, at the time, I didn't realize he was an anti-Semite. Had I, I would have punched him in the fucking mouth. I really would have. He was so fucking obnoxious. This little fucking shit, you know, sitting there, even watching the way that they treated Merrick Garland's. And I'm not a big fan of Merrick Garland's, right? I think he's too nice of a guy. Mm-hmm. Funny to say that, right? I want somebody a little more, we'll call it Bill Barish, right? But not to the point where he's willing to violate people's, you know, constitutional rights like they did to me and others. I want to see somebody that's tougher, that's willing to turn around and to accept the, you know, the possibility of opening up an investigation, grabbing a hold of um, Michael Horowitz and telling him we're opening up an investigation into this thing to get to the truth. You know, it's one. My biggest fear is that the January 6th committee is going to become like the Robert Mueller, you know, committee, the special counsel. Um, And that didn't really go anywhere. Because off of Robert Mueller's investigation, Donald Trump could have been indicted. He could have been, but not when, you, of course, you have Bill Barr, right, as your attorney general. That was just never going to happen. So and that's why I bring this up simply for the point. The way that you take these people down, go to the polls, mm-hmm. plain and simple. Vote their asses out. And then 
Let's shame them that they have no place to live. Ultimately, let them open up their own community somewhere, you know, in, in, in the sticks somewhere where, you know, um, they can have their own gated community, you know, um, you know, the Nazi community. And then we know exactly where they're going, what they're doing. It's almost like corral them like a bunch of pigs in a pen. Yeah. You know, I, the, the one, um, I mean, there are a lot of people on the committee that, that I have a tremendous respect for. Uh, what's weirdest for me as someone who went to a war of choice and spent a year in Iraq uh, is for me to, to look at a Cheney and, and be like, you know what, I'm glad you're doing this. I, I really think that Liz Cheney um, is tough and smart and a warrior. I don't think that Liz Cheney is, is going to let uh, her report go down uh, her and, and Benny Thompson's report go down the same way that the Mueller report did. I I don't see her oh, holding. I, a, I hope you. I hope you're right, there's, Chris. I hope you're there's right. There's no boring hearings. She's going to be holding prime time. She knows because she's a she's a, a traditional GOP Republican. She knows the the power spectacle and theater. She knows what time of day to hold a hearing. She knows who should be a witness. She knows what order the witnesses should be presented in. I mean, half of what makes almost entirely what makes uh, Republicans in Congress effective is getting those little Fox News clips that brings in the donations. Well, Liz Cheney's pretty fucking good at that. And she's going to be able to use some of the the most um, raw and visceral attacks on our democracy as as evidence to to show Americans why they need to go out to the polls in this midterm and make sure that that committee isn't ending on, uh, you know, in December of this year. And then they have another two years to work. Well, Chris, I certainly hope you're right. And I thank you for joining me today. Um, Keep up the good work. Keep up the great work. Um, Stay safe. And um, like I said, Thank you for everything that you do. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate you uh, giving me the time. Good to see you. You too, man. Bye now. And now for today's mea culpa. In speaking to Chris Goldsmith, I realized how much we don't know about who and what are lurking beneath the surface, emboldened by Trump's recent rhetoric, as well as the GOP's complete and total whitewash of what happened on January 6th. The message to these groups is that what happened was both good and righteous. And please come out and do it again, only in more cities with far more violence. If I wasn't mistaken, Trump has basically opened the door for a full-on insurgency. He has prepared to blackmail this country into setting him free or face the prospect of more violence and bloodshed in a city near you. Not only has he dropped all pretense of pretending he wasn't trying to overturn the election, he's now actively promising to do the same thing again. I warned about this countless times. Without the slightest consequence for his actions, Trump has grown fucking emboldened beyond measure. If he is afraid of criminal prosecution, he's hiding that fear behind a mountain of bluster, threatening to drag us all down into a gutter of violence should we continue to prosecute him or his friends. What we do now and how we meet his threats could determine whether this country falls into a total chaos or we return to a place of sanity. 
Unfortunately, as the midterms draw near and the GOP courts the most extreme portions of its base, I fear that violence is on the menu. Kevin McCarthy is too weak to stop Trump from turning our cities into battlegrounds. He wants this chaos to happen, and so do his followers. How we stop this from happening is anyone's guess. The GOP's thirst for power knows no bounds that they will gladly trade Trumpian chaos and bloodshed for a return to the majority. This is where it's all headed. This fall is going to get very, very ugly. And don't say I didn't warn you. And thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Mea Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth.